Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. Now, what I want us to do is I want us to take a look at a few things within this psalm and kind of really understand what is being stated and the importance of every phrase. Let's take a look at these together. It's pretty easy for us to agree, as what's stated here in verse 3, that you know we don't need to put our trust in princes. We don't need to put our trust in human beings. We need to put our trust in God, in God alone, just like what verse 5 says, that we are blessed if we find our help in the God of Jacob. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God that we read about in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, that is the one that, that this is the one through whom our help needs to come. It is our God who is mentioned right here. And when you look at this, this psalm, you will see so many ways that God is described. And what I want you to pay attention to in verses 6 through 10 through, through the end of the psalm is all these verbs that are used right here. Because we can kind of easily, you know, overlook them. And, and maybe they're not even stated kind of in verb form in your Bible or even in, in this translation. That's okay. But what I mean by verbs is pay attention to the actions that he does. Because even beginning in verse 6, by the way, there's about a dozen of them here. And I've tried to put them in, in underline. I, I don't know if this really uh, looks as good on your screen and if you can sort of see what all we're looking at together. But starting in verse 6, we see that God is connected with all these different things that he does. He is the maker. He has made everything around them. Not just, you know, everything like everything, but also everything that is in everything. So it's, I mean, he is the maker of, of all things. And not only that, but he remains faithful. He 
keeps these things you know, going and continuing on. And we can always look to him for this guidance. In verse 7, we find out that he is one who upholds. Specifically, he's the one who upholds the cause of the oppressed. And another thing that he does in verse 7 is that he gives. He gives food. He gives things that are necessary for people who need it. And also in verse 7, he frees people. He sets free the ones who are imprisoned. Now, it's one thing if you take that physically speaking, but I mean, spiritually speaking, that's that's an amazing thing that he does, that he will set the prisoners free. Whatever uh, has been uh, binding us for years, we can be free in God. Verse 8, we see that this, this Lord of ours, he gives sight to those who need it. He lifts up those who need it, and he loves the, the ones who are righteous. Verse 9 tells us that he watches over the ones who need it, the foreigners, the ones who are kind of in a strange land. And if you've ever been in that situation and kind of been out of place, then you know the importance of our God is the one who watches over the foreigner. And he also sustains. He sustains the ones who need the help. But also the, the kind of one negative thing that we can see is he frustrates. And you might think at first that, well, you don't, you don't want a God that, that frustrates. That's kind of odd. But notice what he frustrates. He frustrates the ways of the wicked. So he kind of throws a monkey wrench in the plans of the wicked. Now that we can understand how that is, in fact, a good thing that our God does. And finally, the, the last thing of this dozen kind of actions that our God does in verse 10 is the Lord reigns. He reigns forever. This is our God. And as you look at this and kind of what it would look like if God is in charge, you know, if you want a description um, as kind of how you even view it yourself, just think about this. What do you believe the world would look like if God were in charge? You know, you would likely think that all of these things would be the case, you know. I mean, the, these prisoners would be freed. You know, there, there wouldn't be people who are in prison. There wouldn't be people who are blind and who need, you know, all these things that, that, you know, they'd be taken care of. But I want to remind you of something. Our God is on the throne. And we do see these things being done from time to time. And most, most specifically, we kind of see that God does these things throughout history. And he has really since the beginning of time. Now, of course, if we want to, we can look here or there and we can see and, you know, we, we can see these negative things. And that kind of leads me to sort of the title of this lesson. Is it okay to question? You know, sometimes we, we oftentimes are just kind of taught, well, this is, this is how we follow Jesus. This is what it means to, to be a Christian. This is what it means to follow the way of Jesus. And, you know, we, we don't always leave rooms for well, what if you have questions about it? Like that passage from Psalm 146, is that what we see in the world? And, you know, sometimes people don't even like to question those things. So we might ask, and I believe it's so important that we ask at some point or another, is it okay to question things? Well, let's take a look in the New Testament and an occasion where somebody was questioning Jesus. This comes to us from Matthew chapter 11. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 11, we read this. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, 
the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Now, okay, let's let's take a step back. Notice this John that is being mentioned right here. This is John the Baptist. If you fast forward, okay, and what we see is that John is in prison right now. He's eventually actually going to die in prison. Now, last week, we looked at the same John. We saw this is the same John the Baptist who was come, who came and he is preparing the way for the Lord. You know, that was his task to prepare the way for the Lord. And he was talking about how you need to repent because the kingdom of heaven has come near and it's at hand. And that means we need to do something about it. And he was even calling people out for their sins and he was getting on to them and all. And then he, after a while, finds himself in prison. Now he found himself in prison because he was speaking out against sin. Okay, so he's in prison and then he's got these questions. And he sends these disciples to Jesus and asks the question, are you the one? Now, John is faithful to God. He always is faithful to God. And especially, we'll see that in uh, in just a few verses later down in verse 11. Uh, we will notice that Jesus actually praises John quite a lot. So there's not a question as to whether or not John has faith. John does have faith. But he still is questioning what's going on right here. Because this is not what he expected from the Messiah. Now, I don't know exactly what John was expecting. But many Jews of John's day, they were expecting Messiah that was going to free them. In the sense of Rome was the ones who was in charge during this time. In order for the Jews to do anything, they kind of had to have at least some type of permission from the Romans. They didn't like that. They wanted their freedom. They wanted a Messiah who was going to take back the kingdom, take back the reign of God and rule on earth. That's what they wanted from the Messiah. So John finds himself in prison. You know, this whole thing about how, well, God sets the prisoners free. John is in prison. He didn't do anything wrong, but that's where he found himself. And he has the question, so Jesus, are you the one? Or are we supposed to be expecting someone else? Now, he's already made very bold statements that he knows that Jesus is the one, but he still has questions like, did he misunderstand something along the way? Because it doesn't seem to match up with what he thought it was going to happen. And Jesus' response is a wonderful one. Jesus answered in verse 4 and, and then the following verses. And it's, it's a wonderful answer, but it's also not the type of answer that we would be looking for. He tells him to look at what you hear and what you see. And you notice all these lists are very similar to the list that we looked at in, in Psalm 146 and, and other lists that are connected with our God. We are blessed if we do not stumble on account of Jesus, even whenever he doesn't fit what we might have expected him to be like. So whenever John received the answer that, well, you know, all these things are happening, the blind are receiving sight, the lame are walking, and on and on, the list goes, and good news is being proclaimed to the poor. What do you think John's reaction to this answer was? Now, I mean, we don't really actually see it right here in the text. And I also kind of want to carry over that question to us today. What would be your reaction if Jesus were to give you a response like this? Because I'll tell you, sometimes this is the exact way that our God answers us. Is he gives us these details. He gives us the facts of what's going on. And it's up to us to work these things out, to be able to recognize, look, Jesus is bringing all these things that the Messiah 
is supposed to be bringing. Jesus is the Messiah, and we are blessed if we don't stumble on account of him. There's more, though. Let's keep reading. Now, verses 7 through 11. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not, a, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist, yet whoever is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. He's got a wonderful question in his teachings. You know, he's looking at this crowd and he asks them the question, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? You know, what were you expecting to go out into the wilderness to see? Now, I don't know exactly how the news spread and, and why people went out to, to listen to John in the first place, but, you know, definitely there would be some news about this guy who is dressing a little different, talking a little different, calling for a um, nationwide repentance, perhaps even worldwide repentance of all people. And not just... You know, people who are converting into Judaism, they need to be baptized. You know, not just the, the, the sinners, you know, the, the Gentiles, but everybody is a sinner. They all need to repent. We all need to repent. They all need to be baptized. This was the message of John. He wasn't somebody who was wearing fine clothes. You find that in a king's palace. They didn't go out into the wilderness just to see some, some reed some that, that's just swaying in, in the wind. They went out to see a prophet, and they saw a prophet, a very special prophet. And the reason why he is this special prophet is given in verse 10 is he is the messenger who was sent to prepare the way for the Lord. And then this wonderful statement that, that really lifts up John and speaks about how great he is, that among those born of women there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. I mean, that, that's about as high a praise as you could get, and that comes from the mouth of Jesus. John the Baptist had to have been a wonderful guy. Yet Jesus is still challenging their perspective and getting them to recognize it's not about the flesh. What about this kingdom of heaven? Because whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than him, at least in the, the sense of the, the spiritual as opposed to the, the physical. We see this that Jesus is once again trying to get people to see this deeper message. And this tells us that we now should also desire to be a part of this kingdom of heaven, this God's kingdom that we see here. Now, there's going to be, following this, there's going to be several statements about um, actually kind of judgment and, and different ideas about how uh, this nation or, or this nation, how they will, will fare uh, on that day of judgment, so to speak. But as Jesus continues on, though, he, he finally gets to this point after he, after he gets through that, you know, some of them are going to be having a harder time than what they might think because they are seeing the deeds of Jesus. Now it's up to them to have faith in Jesus and to be a part of this kingdom of heaven so that God's reign will happen here on earth as it does in heaven. That was always Jesus' message. That was always Jesus' goal, was to repent because the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, has come near. It is in our midst, and we can be a part 
of this kingdom today. As we skip on down, we're going to pick up now in verse 25. Verses 25 through 30 of Matthew 11, we read, At that time Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned, and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to, to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We see here this wonderful statement of the relationship between Jesus and his heavenly Father, the one who is Lord of heaven and earth. We see that, that some things have been hidden, but God has revealed them. And God has revealed them through his Son because his Son knows him, as verse 27 says. And the ones who know the Father, it's the Son, and it's also those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. That would be us. The Son chooses to reveal the Father to us when we read the Gospels, when we see how Jesus behaved in any given situation. It's not always what we expected, but it is always the right way. It is always the way of the Father. And he invites those who are listening, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Is it okay to question? Yeah. Everybody's going to have questions at some point or another in their life. What's important is, what do you do after you question? Do you seek answers? Because the answers have already been given to us. If we just will search them out and follow Jesus, come to him, and he will give us this rest. Do you believe that? Well, it is the truth. And I hope that you will, every day of your life, seek out the truth. Seek out the answers to following the way of Jesus. God, can you hear? Can you hear? Can you hear me? God, can you hear me now? God, can you hear? Can you hear? Can you hear me? I cry to you with all my power. Through the veil of Jesus' flesh, from this valley strewn with tears, I can climb up to the mountain of the Father. For He lives to hear the pleas from His children worn and weak as they come into His presence with their praise. God, can you hear? Can you hear? Can you hear me? God, can you hear me now? God, can you hear? Can you hear? Can you hear me? I cry to you with all my power. I can pray in Jesus' name for my will to be the same. For the Father wants to mold me in His image. For He knows what's best for me. If I'm bound or if I'm free, I can come into His presence with my praise. God, can you hear? Can you hear? Can you hear me?